Hey everyone, this is Just Jess, and I had the pleasure of interviewing Matthew Mercer, voiceover actor for video games such as Star Wars, Minecraft, Resident Evil, Game of Thrones, and TV shows Naruto, Thundercats, and Bleach, along with many others. He was at the Wizard World Comic Con this weekend, and so I got to sit down and chat with him for a few minutes, asking about how he became a voice actor, um, what he was there for this weekend, and a little lightning round Q&A. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and more information about Matthew Mercer can be found on the Geek and Sundry website or on Twitch, or you can just Google Matthew Mercer and the appropriate links would pop up. So here it is. Enjoy. Awesome. Hey, I'm just Jess, and I'm joined here with Matthew Mercer at the Wizarding World Comic Con. Yeah. Welcome. How's it going today? Good, good. Uh, about about conscious. Okay. It's been a Sunday. Sunday's a little little harder of a process getting out of bed. Yeah, yeah. Do you do after parties and things like that? Well, I have family in town, too. So oh, nice. I'm up late visiting my brother and catching up, and just yesterday was just a, a wonderful experience and meeting everybody. It was very high energy, and crashed pretty hard last night when okay. I finally got back to the hotel room. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Well, you've done a lot of voiceover work for such things as like Minecraft and Resident Evil, even some TV stuff, Naruto, Thundercats, Bleach. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get into voice acting? Did you wake up one morning and go, hey, I got a pretty good voice for this kind of thing? <laughs> for me, it was, uh, it was a transition based on one, uh, being a theater kid. I did a lot of theater, a lot of community theater and independent theater when I was younger and being a huge nerd and loving cartoons and video games. So after years of kind of pursuing one passion and discovering that there was a possible career path to merge my other passion, uh, I decided to go ahead and start prodding and pushing in that direction. And uh, it's a long, long process, long, arduous process filled with rejection, filled with uh, creative lifestyle of, you know, tiny apartments, subsisting on ramen. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, after a long time just pushing in towards that goal and kind of fighting against the uh, obstructions and the, the rejection, I probably began to get a foothold and build a career from there. Cool, cool. Do you find yourself that you like uh, doing TV over video games? Do you have a preference? Ah, it's... I wouldn't say I have a preference. I like them both for different reasons. I like video games as a video gamer and as the fact that as, a, as an interactive experience, there isn't one straight narrative through most projects. You have branching narratives and possible you know, outcomes based on the player's actions. And I love that you get to kind of play through and, and perform each facet of that story. Um, and a lot of the genres are right, right up my alley. So I'm, I'm already a nerd for my own stuff. Uh, however, for you know, Western animation in particular, a lot of those are group recordings. So it feels like a radio play. And so you get to play off of each other and you know, record together and, and kind of use each other's energy and performances to to really kind of deliver a ensemble performance. Whereas video games is more of a solitary recording experience, for the most part. I mean, occasionally we get to do motion capture and performance capture games, and those are a little closer to theater, and those are fantastic experiences as well. Um, See, so yeah, I can't say I prefer one over the other. I just like them for different reasons. Okay, cool. Then speaking of radio theater, have you ever done any radio theater or thought about the possibility of like non-visual? Medias like I've, audiobooks or things like that. I have a lot of friends who do audiobooks. I have not done them myself yet. Um, I haven't had the the opportunity to really come up, but um, that may change in the future. I've done a few radio plays uh, for a couple local LA productions, and I did a, a long running kind of live radio play performance that then will be put up online um, for a, a production called uh, Tales of the Extraordinary. 
Okay. And so Talison Jaffe, who's part of Critical Role, also guested on that a bunch. And so, yeah, we, just, we did that for a while, and that was a lot of fun. Nice, nice. So with doing a lot of voiceover work and stuff, and then you slowly transitioned into doing, like, director-producer kind of roles, mm-hmm. was that an easier transition because you were also on, like, the other side of the camera in a way? I think it definitely lends itself because you understand multiple facets of production. It's one thing you go into it from a single point and stick to that, but you understand your role very well from your perspective. Going in from a performer standpoint, going in and then like branching off into doing costume and production design and art direction and doing prop work and then going into actually line producing and then regular producing and ADing and gripping. You get a feel of all different facets of production, which when you get to the point of directing a project, you have a better understanding of how everything functions together, allowing you to be a better director because you have an understanding of how everyone's supposed to kind of have a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I would say it definitely helps to have other aspects uh, of experience in, in, in the production cycle. Not necessary, but it does definitely help. Yeah. Did you see yourself making it easy to, like with the Let, let There Be Raw, did you find it easy to be like, well, I'm going to play this character because I know how he's supposed to act, and then did that trigger the other actors to kind of play off your performances? Uh, hilariously, I, I have a hard time casting myself in my own production. Uh, it sounds dumb, and most of the actors I know are like, that's the point of doing this, is to put yourself out there, but yeah. I tend to lend myself to the character more than I do myself, and so if I feel there's somebody out there who's better for a particular role... I'll cast them over me easily because I want it to be what's best for that performance. And I've, I've directed a number of projects online with characters in mind that I might be able to try, but when we audition people for it, I'm like, oh no, this goes to them. Uh, Ganondorf in Nelby Brawl was uh, particularly a scenario where they, we couldn't find anybody that could get what I wanted out of it, and everyone else in the production just kept saying, why don't you do it? Why don't you? I'm <laughs> like, ah, yeah, we'll, we'll see. And after we went through a few processes, I just finally gave in and was like, fine, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Very cool. Well, now let's do some more of the current stuff. You're here, obviously, with the Critical Role Collective. Yes. Have you ever been a game master before, or is this kind of your first time? Oh, I've, I've been game mastering for close to 20 years. Okay. This, this since high school. This has been um, it's been my proverbial jam. Okay. I, uh, yeah, I, I love tabletop role playing games, and it's a big part of really what I got into theater. You know, for started with these type of games. Yeah. The, the, the flair for improv and storytelling. So yeah, I've it's definitely a big part of my life. Was it was it different to have cameras in your face and actually record it for YouTube? <laughs> yeah, but not as much as we thought it would be. We were okay. worried. We were worried it would change the experience a lot, and, right? And it was a big kind of a bit of hesitance on even agreeing to do this because this this game that we run, we ran for two years privately before it went to the stream. So it was a continuation of a pre-existing story that we had kind of kept as a personal experience. Um, so that was a big concern of ours, but thankfully it didn't really impede the the experience, the feeling we had from previous games when we were just in our, you know, living room. Very cool. So I was happy about that. And have you seen um, platforms like YouTube kind of increase the uh, exposure of things like Critical Role for you guys? Tremendously. I mean, there's so many great forms of social media uh, distribution right now through through YouTube, through Twitch, uh, and other emerging platforms that are still in their infancy, where it it, it isn't about just creating content and delivering it to an audience. Now we're getting to a point where we can deliver content and interact with the audience, and the audience having some level of participation in how the media's outcome is. And that level of interactivity is not only fantastic from a consumption standpoint, but it builds a community that is so much more invested in the actual uh, property itself. And so with us, like our our show is just a show. It would be nothing without the community that sprung up around it. And as and I think they're more important than we are based on just the 
level of involvement they've shown in helping the world at large, the level of, of, of uh, out, out, outpouring of support for various charities that have come out of this community around us has been so much more than anything we've done. Cool. You know, we're just happy to have been a catalyst to it. Yeah, and as you can see um, for our radio audience, there actually is a line here for the Critical Role Collective to get some autographs and stuff, so there is a fan base, and I think a lot of it comes from those social media platforms. It's been great. Yeah, <laughs> I know for us as a community radio, we, we strive on the community involvement. It's so everything. It really is. It's where, it's where a lot of media is going, I think, going forward. Yeah. And for, which is good, one, because it, it not only is it more of an investment from an audience standpoint, but two, community is a thing that I feel, from a social standpoint, has been eroded over the years based on just the way that, um, not to get, get too you know, esoteric or political in this year, but I, I feel that as a culture, uh, both as you know, as a people and as a country, the sense of community has been eroded by kind of fear-mongering in media in a lot of ways, you know, instilling xenophobic tendencies from people that are outside of your comfort zone. And, uh, and with the coming of the internet, while it brought a lot of communities together, it also began to kind of alienate and isolate the interpersonal contact that became just a series of texts and numbers. Um, I think we're coming full circle now where social media is beginning to move past that and connect people on a more personal level through the internet and kind of become a global culture and it's it's pretty fantastic to see it on the cusp of actually going that direction yeah that's great awesome thank you matthew i do have just a couple more fun lightning round questions yes, yes bring them please all right who is your favorite doctor oh man ah it's a hard question I have a soft spot for Baker because I grew up with him. Okay. You know, uh, Tom Baker was, was a, a, my, my first real doctor. Um, but I also really enjoyed Tennant. You know, and I'm a Tennant fan too. I'm a Tennant person, I think. I really enjoyed Matt Smith. I felt that he was kind of hobbled by the material he was given in some cases. I kind of missed the checks and balances system of Davies and Moffat together. Now the Moffat's kind of on his own. He still does good work, but he, I think he misses a lot of really key personal elements, especially with his female characters. But uh, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> but yeah, I'd say probably Tenant. And I'm starting to warm up to Eccleston again in hindsight. Okay. He didn't hit me as hard when he first came out, but looking back, I really appreciate a lot of the nuances and subtleties to what he brought to the character. Okay, cool. Uh, Star Trek or Star Wars? I'm probably going to have to go Star Trek. Okay. I know people are going to come in for that. I, was, I wasn't a big Star Wars kid growing up. I enjoyed it, and I, I, you know, I had a few toys, but I grew up more of a... Uh, a fantasy guy. I have Lord of the Rings, Swords and Sorcery, uh, Elves, Dwarves, the whole thing. And so for me, Star Wars, while it should have lent itself better to me, if I wanted some sci-fi, I wanted to go full sci-fi. And so I, I enjoyed more the Star Trek level of, uh, you know, possible true future, not quite as mashed genre, um, and the, the exploratory aspect of it as opposed to the, the sweeping tale of you know, Empire versus Rebel, which it doesn't make sense. I should like that more. I should, but for some reason, Star Trek just was was more of a more of its own specific thing to me. Okay, then sub question: Kirk or Picard? Oh, I gotta go Picard, man. I was the next gen guy. They hit me at the right age. Like right when I got into Star Trek, was when next gen was hitting. So uh, no, that's that's me all the way. Okay, Marvel or DC comics? I'm gonna have to go Marvel on this one. DC, I've had a hard time with DC most of my life, um, except for the Gotham part. The Gotham area and DC universe, I actually really enjoy that, and that's the one area that really kind of connects to me with. 
but I've always I've always been a Marvel guy. I like to me DC is more about the mythology and larger than life characters, which is great, but it's hard for me to connect and really feel for that. Whereas Marvel was about people with powers who had real flaws and ideas. And DC's gotten better about that, but they feel like they've been having to catch up to what Marvel's really set forward. So yeah, I'm a Marvel guy through and through. Harry Potter or Twilight? That's not a question. <laughs> That's not a question. Harry Potter all the way. Thank I'm you. Sorry. Thank you. And if you were sorted, which house would you be sorted into? Oh, proud Hufflepuff, yo. Proud. Same here. Yeah. Yes. Proud Hufflepuff. That's awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> You're on my list of new favorite people Woo! that I've learned from the con. Yay. Yay. I had to actually research Twilight information for sub questions, so I'm so glad sorry. you said Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm really glad you said Harry <laughs> <laughs> And last question, if you could create any cross-genre story, what would it be? Oh, man. I have a fascination with esoteric deities, like ancient Mesopotamian deities, like, you know, Marduk, Tiamat, Enki, the god of magic, Aspu, the god of the abyss. Like, I, I love ancient Sumerian and Mesopotamian religion. I would love to see those type of entities brought back into a modern-day setting, almost like an American gods type way. And they did a little bit of that there. Um, but I, I, I like the idea of, you know, kind of the Lovecraftian elements of taking these ancient powers that are beyond mortal understanding and bringing it back in, but, but tying it more to the existing uh, Sumerian pantheon would be really, really cool. Would you want to do like a promo for it? You can like spit, like, <laughs> you're like, someone was trying to pitch you, like, hey Matt, can you give us a new story? How would you pitch it? Uh, I'd probably do it in a trailer fashion. Okay. Like, the world consumed by politics, petty squabbles, humanity at its own throat, what they didn't know was the ancient gods that they so long ago kicked to the side and returned to take their attention and lives. It's a terrible, terrible trailer, but you know. <laughs> off the cuff, man. Gets the idea across. And the bagpipes are closing Bag us off, yeah. like, apparently. He's not, a local legend. It's not, it's not often you get played off an interview, but if you're going to do it, this is the way to do it. This is the way to do it. <laughs> Matthew Mercer, thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank and you for you having can me. Find out more information about Critical Role on the Geek and Sundry yep, page Ge on YouTube. Geekandsundry.com, or we're on, we uh, we actually play live on Twitch uh, pretty much every Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Okay. So go to Geek and Sundry. A Twitch page for that. Great, and more information just about your roles and things, MatthewMercer.com, although I'm still updating that website, so just Google Matthew Mercer, you'll find all kinds of craziness. <laughs> Great, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Enjoy you the rest of the con. Thank you, appreciate that.